Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Sherea, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God. We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language, and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit, we'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. In this week's episode, we're joined by our first guest, Simon Arjun, as we ask the question, can I trust the Bible? Welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast. We have a very exciting episode today, don't we, Dave? We sure do. Today we have our first guest on our show, a guy by the name of Simon Argent. He's a very good friend of ours. He's one of the elders and leaders of Ascot Life Church in the UK, which is part of the Commission group of churches, where he also helps to lead the Read training course, which is coming very soon. So if you're a part of the Commission group of churches, do check it out. It's going to be incredible. Uh, he is also one of the most intellectually gifted people I think I've ever met. And he's the only person I know who actively seeks out rain noises during a work day. He will, he used to, uh, put his headphones on when I was next to him, probably cause he didn't want me to distract him or call him any funny names. And he would just listen to rain, not, not music, nothing else, just rain. Uh, he's an interesting guy. And he's one of the people that we felt was, vital to speak to when it comes to the question, how can I trust the Bible? And we'll talk about this in a little bit more more detail, but we think it's a crucial question because we're going to be asking some tricky questions in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, things like LGBT and uh, some other challenging stuff in the next few weeks. So the fundamental uh, starting point we need to begin with is how can I trust the Bible? Because if we're saying the Bible says, we need to know why that's an important statement to make. So without further ado, um, we're going to cut to the conversation I had with Simon earlier this week. Okay, so today we have the privilege of having Simon Argent with us. Simon is a very good friend of mine and uh, he's calling from the UK, from Ascot. Welcome, yeah, Simon. Ascot, England. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, I think I'm your first guest, aren't I? You are my first guest. You are our first guest. Thank you for coming. Uh, we are talking today about uh, the trustworthiness of the Bible. We're asking that question, can I trust the Bible? And Simon... Uh, you had done a series at Ascot during the pandemic asking that very question, hadn't you? Yeah, well, we thought that during the pandemic, lots of people may be using that time to explore stuff about faith. And I guess one of the big questions people often have about Christianity is about, you know, its central text, the Bible, and if, it, if we can base our lives on it. So, yeah, I spent a few videos looking into that. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, we're going to link those in the show notes. So head to simplefaithpodcast.com to, to find links to those videos if you want a more in-depth 
conversation. But uh, we're going to ask that question today. Can I trust the Bible? Well, why are we asking that question? Because actually it's, it's going to be pivotal for some of the discussions that are coming up. You know, we are alluding a lot to what the Bible says, and we have done when we've talked about tattoos and swearing and various other things. Well, we're going to have some difficult conversations in the next few weeks and months. And so it is critical that we trust the Bible. If, if we don't start on that same foundation where we trust the Bible uh, together, well, the rest of the conversation is almost kind of null and void. So Simon, you asked a series of, of questions for Ascot Life Church when it comes to trusting the Bible. Could you tell us a bit about those questions? Yeah. So the first question I wanted to ask and respond to is, is the Bible reliable? You know, does it give us an accurate account of what it tells us about? Secondly, I wanted to ask the question, is the Bible relevant? Uh, it might be reliable about stuff that happened in history, but does it have things to say to me today? And thirdly, I wanted to ask the question, is the Bible immoral? Because I think another reason why we uh, might be less able to trust the Bible and put our whole trust in it is because we read some passages, maybe in the Old Testament, which seem a bit weird, a bit uh, barbaric maybe, and we think, can I trust this book? So those are my three questions. Is it reliable, relevant, and moral? Yeah, that's a really good way of breaking down those those questions. So let's let's work through each of those. We don't have as much time as as you were able to spend. So again, don't forget to check out the the show notes for a more in depth look. But let's ask those questions. Question number one: Simon, is the Bible reliable? I know that that for me, before I was a Christian, that was a real real challenge. So. Uh, I used to think, well, how can the Bible be reliable? It must have changed after, you know, about 2,000 years. It's, it's kind of like um, in Canada, they call it telephone. Uh, in England, we call it Chinese whispers, which I really struggle with. I'm not sure we should call it that. But, but you know, it, it changes <laughs> over iterations of, 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 of writing. So has the Bible been changed? Well, the, the really interesting thing is when you look into what is called the manuscript history of the bible which is like the history of all the bible's copies a manuscript is like a copy of an original text the the answer you get to that question has the bible been changed is actually no probably not very much since it was written 2000 years ago or finished 2000 years ago so uh, just to go into a bit of history i'm a, a history geek i did history at university uh, there are two main ways that you kind of assess the reliability of a historical text. The first is how many copies of that text we have. Um, so it probably won't surprise you to know that we don't have like the original copy of Plato's philosophy or Homer's Iliad, something like that. We don't have their, the one that they wrote. Um, but what we do have are loads of copies. And you can imagine that the more copies you have, the more easy it is to work out what the original said by kind of meshing together all those copies. So, for example, if 50 of the copies have the word and in a sentence, but one copy doesn't have that word, then it's probably quite likely that the original had the and in and there's one copy that's wrong. Um, so for most ancient texts, we have like 10 to 50 copies um, so for a, a guy called Tacitus, who wrote a history of the Roman Empire, we have 20 copies of him. Uh, another guy called Suetonius wrote some biographies of the emperors. We have about eight copies of him. For Homer's Iliad, we have about 600 copies. Um, and we can 
find out with pretty good accuracy what the original said. But for the New Testament, we have like 5,000 copies uh, and that's just full manuscripts. So, you know, it's already doing pretty well there. We can make a pretty good guess at what the original said. But the second way that you work out how reliable the historical text is, is you see how recent those copies are to the original. So again, if you have like a, a copy of a text that was made 10 years after the original, it's probably going to be more reliable than what a copy is that was made a thousand years later, because changes would have happened. Uh, and again, for, for most ancient texts, the, the gap between the original and the copy is like 500 to 1,000 years. But for the New Testament, it is, it is so much shorter. It's like uh, 200 years from the finishing of the New Testament until we get our first full manuscript. And if you just go from the first fragment, there was a, a fragment of John the, John's Gospel, uh, John chapter 18, discovered in Egypt, which dated like just 30 years after John would have written and finished his gospel. So uh, when it comes down to it, it seems like the, the New Testament we have is very much, uh, if not completely, what was written 2,000 years ago. That's awesome. Um, you've answered that question super well, but here's another question. How can the Bible be reliable when there are miracles in it? That's something that other people would often object to. Yeah, and that is a really great objection. So. I think that the first thing to to say on that question is, um, yes, miracles don't often happen. I mean, we often think that the people that wrote the Bible, um, you know, miracles were just like no big deal for them. You know, of course, some guy rose from the dead. I mean, yeah, we're, we're okay with that. But um, I think we have to give them a bit of credit and know that when they saw a miracle, they, they were surprised by it too. In fact, I think that's why there are miracles recorded in the Bible is because people were surprised by them and they wanted to tell us that something crazy had gone on. Um, but I think that the question I would ask if that is someone's objection to trusting the Bible is, well, how, how do you know that miracles don't happen? Right? Yeah. That, well, that's so true. We, we often have these assumptions, don't we? And so we've come to this place where we assume that, that miracles can't happen. So when we see it, we think, oh, well, that must be false. But but the, the very nature of a, a miracle is that it's something that is not necessarily predictable or outside the, the realms of, you know, what we would consider to be the norm. So it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, that's it. That's really good. And, and what you can't do is take your assumption and then therefore use it to exclude anything that says otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, what you have to do is, is look at the miracles the Bible talks about and, and ask, is there any credibility to these? You know, I've got this assumption miracles don't happen, but now there are some claims of miracles. Well, should that mean that uh, I challenge my assumption or should it mean I discredit the miracles? Well, what you've got to do is investigate the miracles. And I think, you know, the best place to start is the biggest miracle. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Mm. And if he didn't, then you can probably stick with your assumption that miracles don't happen. But if he did, maybe you've got to change that assumption. Yeah. That's so good, Simon. So, so, so far we've kind of established that the Bible is reliable because, uh, because of its kind of historicity, you know, it's historically reliable. We've seen lots of documents that show that it's, it, it, it has been consistent through time. Uh, we've seen, you know, we've talked that, you know, well, the fact that there are miracles doesn't necessarily 
discount it from being considered reliable. I would just add as well some of the, the internal evidences. So, you know, we're talking about a book that is consisted of 66 smaller books uh, written by more than like 40 different authors over, you know, over a thousand years from different, you know, three different languages. We're talking about a book that is hugely broad and yet it is entirely consistent. It's unified. Um, and that that's a huge deal when you include that with with you know the the what, what the stuff that we've just talked about the the consistency over the last two thousand years and you know the idea that miracles are in there and then we take stuff like the the biblical prophecies that are consistently again and again and again fulfilled it's it's easy to see that yeah maybe the Bible is quite reliable right yeah and uh, there's a a really great kind of infographic which kind of illustrates mm. what you're talking about that the the bible is like completely connected like the first book is connected to the last book and every book in between so maybe i'll send that to you and you can put that in the show notes because that yeah. just shows how interconnected the bible is yeah that's a, that's a good point that that's been doing the rounds hasn't it that that image on social media because it is phenomenal uh, again guys go to simplefaithpodcast.com uh, to check out that infographic because it is mind-blowing when you see how interconnected the Bible is. So, okay, so that's a quick whistle-stop tour of is the Bible reliable? But we have to ask kind of broader questions. So this this is, we're getting into a realm here that's known as apologetics. So that's kind of defending our faith. Um, and we this is a huge, huge topic talking about the reliability of the Bible that we've brushed through. Um, but it's important that we also talk about how relevant the Bible is for today and how moral our God is. Because when all those three things are kind of established, then we can trust what the Bible says, you know, and ultimately what we're trying to say is we're asking the question is, is the Bible really the word of God? Because if it's trustworthy and it's not the word of God, well, that's a problem. So we'll get to there as well. So Simon, the next question you asked is, is the Bible relevant? And one of your answers was, well, yeah, it is because of the Bible's influence on the world around us and on us personally. Do you want to speak into that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, something really interesting, I think, is that uh, most people in the world, I think, today haven't read the whole Bible um, and probably don't read it often. Uh, so we, we think it, it hasn't really got much of an influence on our lives. But actually, I think when you look at some of the deepest things, some of our core beliefs that we hold at the very centre of our being, I think you'll actually find that that many people living in the world today, even those who would certainly not call themselves Christians, are deeply influenced by the Bible. Um, as I say, some of our core beliefs come to us from the indirect influence of the Bible. So uh, just to give you an example, I think you and I hopefully share a belief that you know human beings are all equal. We all have equal value. Um, and I think most listeners of this podcast would share that as well, whether they call themselves a Christian or not. But the thing is, humans haven't always believed that. You know, that's not something that is self-evident, as it says in the American Constitution. You know, if you go back to, you know, the Greco-Roman period, which is the time of the Greeks and the Romans, and look at those ancient authors like Plato and Aristotle that we were talking about earlier, you know, they say things like, it is evident that some are born to rule and some are born to be ruled, some are born to be slaves. So to them, it's clear that humans aren't created equal. So that's not something that is evident to them. 
But of course, fast forward 2000 years later, and we seem to all agree that humans are equal. Why is that? Well, it's, it's because of the Bible. It's because 2000 years ago, a guy called Paul started following Jesus and had this revelation that everyone is created in the image of God. And therefore, we are all equal in God's sight. Therefore, we should all treat each other uh, with equal value as well. And it's as that message kind of spread across the world that it's kind of infiltrated deep into us. So that even if we don't call ourselves Christians, the Bible kind of has a stamp on us. And so that's the first reason why I think it's relevant is because it's actually already influenced us. Yeah. He says it well, doesn't he, Simon? There's a there's a quote from Time magazine that you may not have with you, but you said it in your, your talk the other day, and I just loved it. It says this, simply put, the Bible is the most influential book of all time. The Bible has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any book ever written. Its influence on world history is unparalleled, and it shows no signs of abating. It's, it's so true. Now, we don't have time to go through all of your answers to this question, but one of the other answers you said is, well, the Bible is relevant because it tells a true story of the world we live in. You said it's, it's not just a manual for life. It's a, it's a story. Do you want to maybe speak into that a little bit? Yeah. So I think one of the main reasons we see the Bible is, as I, as I said, <laughs> like a manual for life. Like it, it's got some good life lessons in there. It'll help you out when you're a tough spot, teach you how to pray, teach you how to do good Christian things. Um, and to be clear, I think the Bible does have a lot of wisdom and a lot of wise uh, instruction for us, as you've talked about in some of the other episodes. But I think that the ultimate uh, nature of the Bible is not a rule book, but it's a story. Um, as I say, it's like it's the true story of the world. Uh, it, it tells us where the world came from and it tells us where the world's going. And it also tells us about humanity, where we came from and where we're going. And so therefore, it also includes us in that story. And that, that helps us uh, with so many questions. Uh, it helps us think about what is my purpose in the world? Well, to find my purpose, I've got to find the purpose of the world, which is you know, God's created this world for his glory and to show his love. And so my purpose is probably going to be aligned with that. Uh, it helps me think about, uh, you know, who I am, if I have value. Well, the, the Bible story tells me that, yes, I have value because I'm not just here randomly as a collection of atoms and molecules that, you know, the universe has chucked together. Actually, I'm here because a loving God has intelligently made me uh, with a purpose and so of course I have value because I'm made by him um, and so uh, I think that is that the ultimate reason why the Bible is relevant is because it gives us this true story through which we can see every other aspect of life be it God ourselves or just things happening in the world around us yes I mean that's so good I'm I'm really enjoying this discussion and I'm conscious that we can't answer these questions in full. And in the time that we have left, we're never going to answer this, this final question with the, the, the answer it fully deserves. Uh, but this question, is the Bible immoral, is a big one. So in, uh, in the time that we have left, how do we answer that question, knowing that we can't do it, the justice that it deserves? Is the Bible immoral? Well, I think the first thing to get clear here when we talk about 
the morality or, or perhaps immorality of the Bible is that, um, as I said earlier, a lot of our morals come to us from the Bible. Again, just going back to the earlier example, the, the fact that we believe that everyone has equal value and should be treated equally comes to us from nowhere else but the Bible. And so if we do go back into um, the Old Testament, say, and read stories which seem to conflict with this moral, I think the, the best thing to do is not chuck out the Bible, because then we're chucking out our morals as well. Actually, we have to think more carefully through what might be going on there. And, and that leads me on to a, a second thing I'd say, which is that a lot of the time when we read these disturbing stories in the Bible, we have to distinguish whether they are being recommended or whether they are simply being reported. Mm. Uh, so uh, just imagine for a moment that I was a journalist and I was out on the, the streets of Windsor, which is where I live and where the Queen also lives. Um, and I saw, you know, a crime take place. Uh, maybe someone got attacked. And uh, if I was a good journalist, I would probably do my best to describe this attack, not in gruesome detail, but I'd try to describe the seriousness of this and the significance of this. Uh, why? Because I want people to understand what's going on. I want the, you know, the people around the country to understand this horrible crime that's happened. And often, I think that's what's going on in the Bible. You know, we, we see some incredibly disturbing stories. We see, uh, you know, men taking hundreds of women to be their wives. We see uh, men murdering people to get their wives. We see people enslaving other people. And actually, I think the Bible often reports this to us, not so that we'll go, oh, so we're meant to do this as well. But I think so that we'll go, that is horrible. I want to check my heart to see if there's anything of that kind of hatred towards other people there. Um, I think it's reporting stuff to us, not to recommend it, but to almost ward us against it. And I think a third thing to say uh, just briefly on this question is that often God will allow his people to do things, but that is not his ultimate intention for them. So God might allow his people to practice something which uh, isn't perfect, which isn't uh, great because he's, he's kind of being patient with them. He, he's treating them like children. With children, you don't uh, give them all the rules at once, but you kind of give them a few so that they'll eventually grow up into immaturity. And I think often when we read Old Testament laws, which seem a little bit uh, backward, a bit behind the times, we have to, to look into the New Testament and see what is God's ultimate purpose and what is he being patient with them uh, in the Old Testament with. Mm. so let's do a quick recap on what we've discussed already we've we've covered a lot of ground in a short space of time so we've talked about uh the bible's reliability we've said well the bible hasn't changed over the last two thousand years and there's lots of historical evidence for that uh we've we've seen that yes there are miracles but we have to check our own biases we have to check our own assumptions uh we've talked about uh, the unity of the Bible, about how it, you know, it, there's so many individual books written over a huge period of time by tons of different authors in different languages, and yet there's there's no contradictions and prophecies have been uh, fulfilled again and again and again. Um, another note on that is, you know, the the Bible has been subject to a kind of testing that no other book has ever had, and yet archaeologically and historically, it's it's remained consistent as well. 
We've talked about the Bible's relevance, about the fact that it has a consistent influence on the world around us and on us uh, personally. We've talked about how it tells the the true story of the world we live in, and sometimes that causes us to question the morality of the Bible. But we see that actually not not everything that the Bible reports is recommended. And Simon used that fantastic analogy of a reporter. And he also kind of talked about how just because God allows people to do some things doesn't mean that it's it's God's ultimate plan for them. So that's that's kind of where we've come from. And what we believe that all points to is that the Bible is God's word. You know, we're talking about the word of God itself. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible itself says that it's inspired by God, that, that it, the, the word of God is living and active, uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, we're talking about the word of God itself. And that is so important in some of the discussions we're going to have where things can get a bit tricky. So Simon, thank you so much for your time. I'm excited to have you back on the show. We will almost certainly have you back on the show at some point in the future. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, we miss you. It's been four months since I got to sit on a desk opposite you. And uh, yeah. yeah, we pray that God will continue to use you as powerfully as he already has. Thanks, mate. I'm looking forward to my next um, friendship card from you as well. I think we're <laughs> nearly hitting two, two years. So <laughs> There's so much that needs to be explained there, and yet I'm going to explain none of it. Um, <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Uh, remember, tune into uh, simplefaithpodcast.com for show notes, uh, including some infographics and Simon's more slightly more in-depth talks. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at simplefaithpodcast. Uh, we love to connect with you and to hear your thoughts. So with that all said, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone.